Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. To anyone that doubted you were going to get a show just because I was on the road, how dare you? A healthy work-life balance in this economy? Nuh-uh. Monday to Thursday, sometimes even Fridays. Expect to see my dumb face spewing nonsense. So how about you just relax, sit back, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is this controversy with Teddy Fresh, Ethan Klein, and Ela Klein. Right? Because in addition to the hugely popular H3 podcast, they have the mega successful Teddy Fresh clothing company. And Ethan and Ela just popped into the news because they addressed accusations that their clothing brand is a toxic place to work at. Where a lot of this seeming to stem from Glassdoor reviews where the company has a 1.8 star rating. Some of the negative reviews they're calling it a sinking ship, saying that it's abusive and extremely toxic and that the bosses treat employees like garbage. Some are from as recently as this month, others as far back as around December of 2021. And on their podcast, Ethan and Ela said that these were bad faith reviews likely written by people who never even worked at Teddy Fresh. With Ethan saying just the timing all of this feels like a red flag. Teddy Fresh has been in business for five long years and all these reviews started springing up six months ago five years nothing there and then all of a sudden six months ago there's like all at once like 15 negative reviews. And he eventually had Ela saying, you know, some of these could be legitimate, which is something she obviously finds concerning, but that she believes that the majority are just unjustified attacks. And with this saying, she really tries to make sure that this is a good place to work. I don't know. I mean, like, maybe maybe there's a couple that are real there, and it obviously it really is sad to see, and it, I mean, I'm, I, I take it very seriously, and I do believe that we're improving the company all the time, and constantly working on it, and constantly trying to make sure it's a really good environment for our employees. We try to make everyone feel like they're they're valued because we really do value everybody that works for us. I don't think it's toxic. I mean, I, I'm there like all the time. I, I get along great with everybody. I feel like we all collaborate. It's like... It's a fun place to work at. And adding, like Ethan noted, the timing of all this feels weird. But Ethan then also going on to say that he would concede that one or two of these negative reviews are real, but also saying, how would they know since Glassdoor doesn't actually ask the company to verify who is writing these reviews and then adding. But the thing is, when you're working in a job for five years, people come and go and every breakup isn't always amicable. And some people, I'll be honest, some people are employees and they suck and you need to fire them. Mm -hmm. That's just reality of owning a business but still coming back and saying the majority of these reviews are bullshit and adding well, it's just, just so up and it's so obvious to me that it's all bad faith like we work so hard specifically Ela, to build this company and do it the right way and i feel like there's really nothing bad you can say or criticize teddy fresh for like my myself and this show there's plenty of and uh, criticize me for you can make a billion exposed videos on me but teddy fresh is not like that it's like clean and wholesome further claiming that they try to do right by their employees by giving generous pay benefits perks severance packages and more and saying these reviews just do not paint an accurate picture of what is going on at teddy fresh and noting that this kind of stuff always seems to happen when something big's going on right now they have this big big sale and saying these takedowns are just time to line up with something like that and also as far as who is responsible they say you know this obviously stems from those glass door reviews but also it started getting traction on reddit and getting tons of attention with ethan saying and my what my theory is is that this is being fueled by Trisha stands and Keemstar and possibly Cav Cav. And then later, regarding Trisha Paytas specifically, he seemed to try to make a separating point between Trisha and her fans. There's a community of like Trisha stands who hate my guts, and this glass door reviews are always posted there. I'm not talking about her. No, it's not. Has nothing to do with not, Trisha. Okay, yeah. Just Trisha say that. No, I'll say Trisha has nothing to do with it. 
But there's a community of psychos that has nothing to do with her. She doesn't interact with them. It's not her fault. I'm just saying that it's always posted there and people there are participating in the same thing. So it just became like a for people to be like, I worked at Teddy Fresh and they treat us like Lord of the Flies. And as far as the responses here, it is worth noting that in the past couple of days since addressing the whole situation, the Teddy Fresh glass door has been filled with positive five-star reviews. And notably, there are some clearly coming from fans who are joking about whether or not they actually work there. As far as my opinion, yeah, based off of the timing, it feels like very much like review bombing, which unfortunately across many businesses has become this standard thing. I mean, in some places, it's even used as blackmail. As well as the fact if you run any business, eventually you're going to have people that are disgruntled ex-employees. Well, of course, with this story. Yes, I'm passing the question off to you. I just, I personally, I can't imagine Ela Klein running a bad or toxic company. Like, you're talking about the woman that's able to successfully parent and manage Ethan Klein on a day-to-day basis. I can't even comprehend the level of professionalism that must take. Like, that woman's gotta be a saint. Then, and which should really be a surprise to no one at this point, global warming is continuing to take its toll worldwide, with Europe being hit especially hard right now. In places like Spain, temperatures have hit over 113 degrees, leading to at least 360 dying. Portugal also faced hundreds of deaths between July 7th and 13th after it was hit with similar temperatures. And understand, those numbers are expected to rise as temperatures continue to stay hot. And keep in mind, these are both places that at least have an idea of how hot this is. However, that's definitely not the case for most of Europe, where death tolls are expected to reach the thousands due to the ongoing heat wave. Take the UK, for example. It's expected to see over 100 degree weather and almost no one has ways to deal with it. It's so hot, some schools have decided to either close early or not open at all rather than deal with the hundreds of heat-stricken students. But being at home isn't much better. It's estimated that 97% of British homes just flat out don't have AC and are in fact designed to keep homes warm, which compounds the issue. Some people have even resorted to placing aluminum foil on their windows in an attempt to keep the heat away by reflecting the sun's rays. And on top of all that, many parts of the continent are fighting forest fires caused by the extreme heat and ongoing drought. Portugal and Spain have had thousands of acres burned due to the ongoing fires, and thousands have been forced to leave their homes amid a huge forest fire in southern France. And it's the same issue all over Europe. 600 people near Berlin forced to evacuate, thousands of acres burned across Greece, Croatia, and Slovenia. And while many for the Americans watching, you might be hearing these numbers and go, this doesn't sound like the biggest deal. Right? We're talking about tens of thousands of acres across the entire continent, while a single fire in California can burn hundreds of thousands of acres. But large forest fires and extreme heat are very rare in many of these countries, and they often don't have the same equipment and training to deal with them. Remember, and I mean this, it is expected that thousands will die because of this. It's just the infrastructure is completely different and not set up for it. Right? So some pro tips for the hot, dry weather. It's going to sound straightforward, but it's important to remember. Stay out of the sun. And literally, this cannot be said enough, drink a ton of water. And if you're sweating a lot, don't forget to get some kind of electrolyte in there too. Otherwise, you can also get sick from an imbalance of that. And lastly, and unfortunately, do not expect this to go away. Every year, we've just been seeing record-breaking temperatures. Once-in-a-lifetime events happening like every single month is apparently the new normal. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now, and I have to say, if you're getting your business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, your current obsession, or just a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head, no matter what you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. And with their mobile-optimized websites, your content automatically adjusts, so no matter what device people are getting it on, it looks great. Plus, with Squarespace, you also get access to their marketing tools and analytics and their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So if you want to check it out, see why so many others have loved it, go ahead and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com phil. And when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then finally today, we need to talk about this. Shots fired! Get it! 
inside! Go, go, go! Right, so that's just one piece from around three hours of police body camera footage from the Uvalde massacre that's just been released, along with a Texas House committee report giving damning details on the failure to properly respond. So the report says that the first responders lost critical momentum when they treated the situation as a barricaded subject scenario rather than an active shooter scenario, leading them to take a more measured, methodical approach. With it adding, correcting this error should have sparked greater urgency to immediately breach the classroom by any possible means to subdue the attacker and to deliver immediate aid. With police sergeant Daniel Coronado hearing gunshots inside the classroom toward the beginning of the shooting and then saying, Okay guys, he's on inside this building. We have him contained. And as minute after minute goes by, their sense of urgency palpably fades. And you can see officers hunkered down waiting for backup. Meanwhile, reportedly kids are still alive inside with more gunshots popping off during the more than an hour they're in there. And you can hear officers acknowledge that children are still inside. No one knows about kids or anything else like that. But yeah, I know there's a kids and teachers in there. But they're just, they're just students. Yeah, they're bringing gas and things. We got victims here. Notably, you also have some officers wanting to go inside. Dude, we got to get in there. We got to get in there. He's keep shooting. We got to get in there. Another expressing confusion seemingly at the stalled response. What are we doing here? In nearly 25 minutes after police first arrived, you have Coronado and other officers breaking a window to a nearby classroom and pulling kids out. Cover them, cover them, watch. Go, go, run, run over there. Then, more than 12 minutes later, we see School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo for the first time trying to negotiate with the shooter. Let me know if there's any kids in there or anything. This could be peaceful. Would you tell me your name? Anything I can know, please? And in that, it's unclear whether he's aware there are kids inside, but dispatch cleared that up just moments later with this message. Full of victims. Child called 911. The room is full of victims. Child 911 call. But even despite that, six more minutes go by with nothing happening. And then you have Arredondo struggling to open a nearby classroom with keys. With more gunshots soon ringing out from the shooter, but still, Arredondo tries to negotiate with him again. Sir, if you can hear me, please put your firearm down, sir. We don't want anybody else hurt. There appears to be no response, and not much happens for nearly 30 minutes until officers finally break inside and neutralize the shooter. By which time we now know a whopping three. 376 law enforcement officials were on the scene, all there to take down just one 18-year-old shooter. With several different agencies present, including local, state, and federal, and the new committee report directs blame at all of them, saying no one assumed command of the situation despite scores of officers being there, leading to confusion about who's in charge. With the commander of a Border Patrol tactical team choosing to wait for a bulletproof shield and a master key despite the door being unlocked before entering the classroom. With the report also noting that the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training teaches that any law enforcement officer can assume command, that someone must assume command, and that an incident command can transfer responsibility as an incident develops. And so now you have the Uvalde mayor launching an investigation to see whether Lieutenant Mariano Pargas, who was the city's acting police chief, should have taken command of the scene, with him also now being placed on administrative leave for the time being. The report also faulting issues in the school itself, saying that the poor Wi-Fi delayed the lockdown alert when the shooting started, with not all teachers immediately receiving it and the intercom not being used to communicate. Also adding that the school's doors and locks had recurring problems with the locking mechanism on room 111, where the shooting took place, widely known to be faulty yet never repaired, as as well as a reported culture of non-compliance with safety policies requiring doors to be locked. Additionally, the report states that the shooter fired a total of 142 rounds inside the school, with at least 100 of those almost certainly fired before police arrived. But also, in the end, the report stresses that it did not find any, quote, villains except the shooter himself, stating, there is no one to whom we can attribute malice or ill motives. Instead, we found systemic failures in egregiously poor decision-making, with the investigators adding that it is not their job to say whether anyone should be held accountable. Rather, each law enforcement agency
agency has to determine that itself. So just very big news, another bombshell update on this horrible, horrible story. And I will say, if you're interested in reading more about the details, because I wasn't able to get into 100% of everything, like always, I'll include links in the description down below. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. Yo, whether it be this final story or anything I talked about today, of course, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. I've also got more news for you here and here. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.